At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. This is The Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Lombardi Line Sunday, seven days out from Super Bowl 56. As we say good morning and welcome you in. I'm Patrick Maher live from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point. Michael Lombardi back on his perch, back on the crown there at the Borgata. How are we feeling today, man? We're doing good, Patrick. We're doing good. Seven days to go. We'll get this place rocking in a few. You know, I'll be good. Good. I, you know, I think that uh, this week off certainly gets everybody to catch their breath a little bit for the NFL season as, as long as it's been. But kind of kind of weird to not have an NFL on a Sunday. So disappointing. But one more week and we got it. I feel like this is officially the countdown, though. We can once you're yeah. once you're a week out, when we're 12, 14 days out. You can't really count. Now we can count down, yeah. though. Yeah, Santa's coming next Sunday. There's no doubt. We can't wait for that. Santa's coming to town as a Ram and a Bangle as we welcome you in and get started here on this Sunday. You know, I I'd like you got please. I'd like to know. I'd like to know who had the Rams Bengals in a Super Bowl in any of their picks. I mean, you know, they make us Ben Fox makes us do all these picks to start the season and all that and you know, it's it's a challenge. I wonder if anybody's out there that held a held a ticket that had the Rams and the and the Bengals in a Super Bowl. I can't imagine. Maybe some maybe some uh, betters and some believers in Cincinnati. Like we said, 125 to 1, 151 at one book before the season started on the Bengals, and here they are. You know, the much has been made about this not being a sexy matchup for you and I and those involved in sports wagering and just sports in general. I love this matchup. Well, I mean, it's a matchup. I mean, it's like people complaining about the preseason. It's what we want. We want football. I'm not going to complain about the two teams, you know, and I think that it's ideal that, you know, we see two coaches who have been on the same staff. And look, give the Bengals credit. They persevered. I mean, their mental toughness, their their ability to kind of overcome the obstacles that they face during the season after this and, and in the playoffs is, is somewhat remarkable. So, it's a credit to them that they've been able to go on the road, win two games, win a home game that, you know, the team's got the ball first and goal at the nine, and they were able to hold on to that. So they're they're ready to play. It's going to be it's going to be how they handle the, the situation early in the game. If they can play from in front, I think that's certainly going to spell a, a close game. Yeah, Michael, right now you're looking at half the books reporting four and half the books reporting Rams favored by four and a half. We officially have it four and a half. We've got the total at 49. Yesterday we said here it was 48 and a half. It's now up to 49, 49 and a half opener. So it's kind of been toggling between that 48-ish, 48 and a half, and 49 on the total. 
Yeah, you know, and I and I just think to me you, the way these two teams, I think that Stafford Stafford will throw the ball effectively. But the one thing I do think they'll be able to do, which lends itself to the under a little bit, is the fact that they can run the ball. When you look at Cincinnati's numbers, and especially in the playoffs, teams have run the ball effectively on them. I mean, they just given up on it. I mean, Tennessee never gave up on running the ball, but certainly Kansas City did, and the Raiders clearly did. Only 13 carries for J Josh Jacobs. So I don't think that's going to be the case with McVay. I think he will run the ball, and I think he will make play action. What then lends you to think he will take some chances down the field. I think there's no doubt about that. And we should say, we do have football today. It is the Pro Bowl, AFC, NFC, and the AFC uh, opened as a one-point dog. However, they flipped their one-and-a-half-point favorite and a total of 64. Uh, I don't expect you to delve into the matchup, but I just wanted to put uh, it out there that it is available. Yeah. Well, it's great. I mean, are they, are they tackling in this game or is it two-hand touch? What a waste. Know. What a waste. I, yeah. I, they, they pick up a nice check, though, right? Is that really what it comes down to is a check? I think they do. You know, and it's funny because the way the Pro Bowl, you know, usually – when you go over a player's career, the being in the Pro Bowl is a significant achievement, right? But that's not the case anymore. I mean, guys are getting into the Pro Bowl because other guys don't want to play in it. And so you get in the Pro Bowl, does that really count towards your, you know, your Hall of Fame credentials as you move forward? I think there has to be a separation of that, particularly back when the day when, you know, even back in the 50s and 60s when they had Pro Bowls, I mean, they were putting players in the Pro Bowl to help the gate. They were putting players in the Pro Bowl to kind of get people, they used to hold it in Los Angeles so that, and they had a lot of Rams in the play, in, in, on the team because they wanted the gate to go up. They felt like if the Rams were in the game, people would come buy tickets. You know, I would always say when somebody gives me a resume, I say, give me all pros, not Pro Bowls, right? Give me yeah, all pros, right. I, not, not Pro Bowls. I think there's no doubt about that. I think you have to, have, you know, give me all decade teams too. I think you got to make the all decade team. I think that's really important, you know, because if you are the best of the decade and you have dominated the decade, then you have a chance to get into Canton. If you haven't, then how do you get into Canton? Michael, one of your strengths, I thought a good place to start would be handicapping these head coaches. This is the youngest head coaching matchup in Super Bowl history. No surprise. Uh, Sean McVay, 36, just turned 30 when he was hired five years ago by the Rams. And Zach Taylor, not much older, 38 years old. Why don't we start with McVay? Fifth full season there in Los Angeles. This will be his second Super Bowl appearance. He's 55 and 26 over five years. Fascinating. And there's a connection, I think, with you as well. Undistinguished wide receiver at Miami of Ohio, but really worked his way through the ranks, got involved in Washington with the Shanahan's, and it's been a rocket ship ever since. Now, his grandfather is John McVay, which you can speak to, the general manager of the 49ers, 80s and 90s for those five championships. Did you have a relationship with John McVay? I love Coach McVay. I called him Coach McVay. He yeah, was the, the head coach of the New York football giants when that, that the miracle of the Meadowlands happened. And, and Coach McVay's just tremendous. And, and I need to call him this week to wish him good luck for Sean. So, yeah, I do. I have a relationship with him. I, I admired him tremendously. He really helped me a lot in my young career. And, and I think the world of him. And he was instrumental in a lot of in, in the success of the 49ers. He did exactly what most good general managers should do. He stayed in the background. He let Coach Walsh run the 
the team and he followed orders. I mean, he did what Coach Walsh wanted to do, and he didn't try to, you know, he tried to ask questions to make sure Coach Walsh was was go, thinking through everything. But he was outstanding in what he did, and he was able to be a huge part of those teams. And and his ability to transition from coaching into general managing, I think, was important because he understood the plight of a coach. He didn't see the game through the general manager's eyes in terms of it's always the coach's fault. He saw it as a coach that could also help with the talent. Yeah, McVay still alive, 91 years old. Uh, yeah, lives in, Granite, lives in Granite Bay, uh, where which is kind of an area where we used to train at Rockland. So he kind of always loved it up there. So uh, just a tremendous human being, and 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 his. And that this is all linked to the McVeigh family and the Gruden family. John Gruden's dad, Jimmy, was on the Dayton staff. That's what. That's how John McVeigh was a head coach at Dayton. Jim Gruden was on that coaching staff with him. That's how the linkage between all this occurred. That's how Sean ends up at Tampa in his young career. Yeah, in 2008, offensive assistant for Gruden in Tampa Bay, Michael. He goes to the Florida Tuskers in the United Football League, then to Washington, offensive assistant early 20s, and then the rise from there, of course. Do you remember five years ago now when McVay was hired, the talk around the league? I mean, he had just turned 30, but he's turned it into, obviously, a brilliant early career as a head coach. Do you remember what was said about McVay when, when hired by the Rams? You know, I remember it because I was very – I was not a believer that someone this young could come in and do this. You know, I, I know Don Shula did it at 33 years old, and he was very successful, but I just didn't feel like – this was going to work out. And, you know, I can remember when I became the general manager of the Browns, you know, my first day on the job, Coach McVeigh called me on the phone to congratulate me for getting the job and said, hey, look, my grandson's going to be a great coach in this league. Now, I know it's my grandson, so but you keep an eye on him. And I'm telling you, he's going to be a great coach in this league. And he was right. And he was right. And so I was a little, you know, to say, you know, for me, it's it's always about how long have you gone along? What are your marks? Have you gained enough experience? I was a little apprehensive that he was going to be able to do this, but he did. And he's an outstanding play caller. I think what's really shown through the most is the fact that this is the third staff he's really put together. So when he first gets there, he hires Wade Phillips, really good hire. After, after I think, three years with Wade, he fires Wade. And, and then he hires, you know, then he hires uh, Brendan Staley. And Brendan Staley then becomes a head coach. And now he's got Raheem Morris. So he's changed that, changed offensive line coaches, Aaron Cromer. He kind of reinvented his staff a little bit, which I think is important. I think he's starting to move more into the head coaching category than away from it. And this will be a challenging game for him in terms of his area of weakness, as we saw last Saturday, Sunday, is, is certainly managing the game. And when he doesn't have to manage the game, when his offense is flowing so well and he doesn't really have to manage the game, then all of a sudden he becomes a better head coach. But that's the one area where I think it becomes a concern, how to manage the game. You know, it's funny, Michael, you say that his grandfather said he's going to be a great head coach. At the time when you took the Cleveland job, he was in his late 20s, McVay. In 17, I covered the Rams when I was in L.A., and I went to the presser, and McVay was there and obviously giving answers, and I asked a question, and he started with, that's a good question, Patrick. I've never met him. I ne he, never, he doesn't know who I am, but what it told me was prior to coming out to the podium, he was very thorough with his people about who was going to be asking questions, and when he did that, I immediately was like, oh, this guy's on another level as far as detail. You know what I mean? Like, that was very no impressive. Doubt. 
And, and that's really observant by you. I think I think that's that's kind of what his ability, his recall, his memory, which is certainly really important in anything. And I think, look, one thing I know, I was I can remember sitting down at, in in Charlotte when I went to go visit my son and and my grandsons down there. I, I had I had coffee with Larry Brown, and Larry Brown would talk about different series in a basketball game that he memorized from start to finish. And I think that's what McVay's able to do, to have that photographic memory. Okay, here's what happened in the first quarter. Here's what's going on. And then, then he does that really well offensively. And I think that that's how you learn and grow as a coach. I'm telling you, man, my brain, I, I had a hard time remembering Jeezy's name this morning. I was like, come on, you want to go outside? <laughs> I tell, what, yeah. the, the people with the brain snapping like that, it's fascinating to me, man. <laughs> Yeah, you know, well, when you're fully engaged in something and you and you block out all the noise, you can remember a lot more than we think we can. And I think certainly Sean does that, and, and he does a great job with it. And I, look, this is a team that he he's got to figure out how he can best play this game. And I think that's why he'll run the ball quite a bit. McVeigh, four playoff appearances in five seasons, second playoff, second Super Bowl appearance. The one year in '19, they didn't make the postseason. He was nine and seven. Hell of a start from McVay. We've got some audio, him talking about his offensive playmakers coming back, and then we'll get into Zach Taylor as we're just getting started here on the Lombardi line on a Sunday, a week out from Super Bowl 56. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking. When we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. All right, Lombardi Line, Brent Musburger, thank you. And we told you this yesterday, Michael and myself, the VSIN big game helped us. So, this is pretty cool. I know a lot of you tuning into VSIN sometimes can be a little sophisticated over your head as far as the betting information. If you have any questions, it's anonymous. You can go to the VSIN help desk. You can give your name. You don't have to. VEASAN.com slash Super Bowl. Should you hedge some insight into props, in-game opportunities, live betting, of course. So, again, submit your questions at VEASAN.com slash Super Bowl, and it could be answered by our experts on the air or over at VEASAN.com. Okay, Lombardi Line, it's nice to have you on a Sunday, just a week out from Super Bowl 56. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point. How is the Michael Lombardi, of course, at the Borgata is the first off give us a weather check there and any action early cold. probably a little dead there today because we're it's the call before the storm I, I think, 
I think so. I think it's a little dead. I mean, the the, the book's open, and there are people at the window betting some of these college games. But uh, you know, it'll it'll pick up around 12 o'clock once it starts getting going. But it's cold, Patrick. You got to be inside here now. You know, it's 28 degrees out there. You know, you're gonna need to bundle up. And a whole lot you can do outside in the winter sports. I mean, we could probably start curling if you like. I mean, you know, we could do that. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I was texting with my father who loves golf, and they're at Pebble this week, and he's oh, in Michigan. Don't and he's, start. My dad's don't in Pontiac. Michigan. Just so anybody knows, Google Pontiac, Michigan. You don't want to be there. Anyway, he lives there, and he's like, I'm looking out my window at Pontiac, and then I'm looking at the, the Monterey Peninsula up in Pebble. He's like, I don't know how we ended up here. It is yeah. so gorgeous, that peninsula up there, Michael. Well, it's really amazing. I mean, that's that's one of the greatest venues of all. I used to go down there, uh, you know, because when we lived in the Bay Area, you know, they would have the AT&T. So I would go and it was always after the Super Bowl. It was always after playoffs, after the Super Bowl. So I would go down there and spend the weekend and hang out. One time Belichick was playing in it. So I got to walk the course with him and, you know, and and uh, and, and just enjoy it. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible part of this country and if you've never seen oh, Big gorgeous. Sur or the peninsula you know I urge you to go do it because the weather can get a little funky too now you can you can go there one day and it'd be sunny like it was yesterday and and only have a t-shirt on the next day you're going to need to get bundled up with the rain coming in so but the views are magnificent and the Carmel Valley is spectacular it's just flat out spectacular it really it's one of the is. nicest places on earth I mean Big John Madden used to uh, sit down there in Carmel you actually bought a coffee shop in downtown Carmel he was so uh, upset that this coffee shop was going to close <laughs> years awesome. ago that that he said, I'll buy it. I'll just buy it, you know. And I mean, so he bought the coffee shop and he was there and, you know, he sat outside, had his coffee. And I think he had, he had obviously had a place down there. It's it's just flat out incredible. You take that 17 mile, mile drive around yes. the peninsula, the views are spectacular and, uh, you know, it's just awesome. Yeah, that is, it's so, and Reggie Jackson lives there as well, Jim Nance. Uh, Jordan Spieth, by the way, went low yesterday, a 63, so he's a stroke off the lead heading into the final round, the pro. I, I used to shoot low there, too. You know, when I was playing <laughs> Tiger Woods, I, I could get in the 50s there. I was incredible on that. You know, I, I, I had that Tiger Wood addiction. I needed to go to the Tiger Woods. Uh, Wait, did you play uh, it for rehab? real? The, that, that game oh, was. No. That game I play, I was addicted to that game. It's, I became my kids addicting. were playing it, and then I got addicted to it. I was like, I got to stop this. And I, you know, they had all the courses you could play, and, and and Pebble. I could I could really go low in Pebble. I, I was actually when I walked the course with Belichick, I was like, you you got to hit it over here, Bill. And then the next the whole I said, but make it go. You know, try to send it to over here to the right so you have a better shot at the pin. And he looks at me like, you don't play golf. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, I play Tiger Woods, man. I play Tiger Woods. I know this course like the back of my hand. <laughs> Michael, years ago, I did a broadcast with John Daly at Pebble. And this won't surprise <laughs> you. Judd Nelson was there before weed was legal, hitting on a pen. Judd, I'm not blowing you up. You were very cool with it. And then John Daly says this before the broadcast start. If you're going to do a broadcast with me, you're going to do this first. Hands me a shot. I was like so nervous. I was like, we're going to drink <laughs> while we're... J Daly had probably 12 Jack and Cokes and never seemed inebriated at all. That is John Daly, the legend of John Daly. And by the way, slept out a camper. He, he would tour the whole entire country in a, I guess you call them campers or uh, I don't know. Anyway, legend. RVs. RVs. That's right. RVs. John Daly. Oh, my gosh. That was a weird trip. Okay. We were talking McVeigh. Let's quickly hear from McVeigh, his approach as far as the offensive playmakers. Then we'll transition to Zach Taylor here. 
The Bengals do have a, a great group of skilled players. They're excellent on offense. They play a little bit differently um, than the 49ers just in terms of their overall approach for um, you know some of the different concepts and things they activate, personnel groupings. But Zach Taylor does a great job. Um, you know, Obviously, Joe Burrow is a special player at the switch. I think Mixon's one of the more complete players in this league at the running back spot. And then Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd present arguably uh, as good of a 11 personnel grouping from the receiver spot as there is in this league. Yep. And so there is our buddy Sean McVay. He mentioned Zach Taylor, yeah. who was the Rams quarterback coach there in 2018. He took the Bengals job in 19. Just to start with an overview on Taylor here. Well, look, uh, you know, I think that he's, you know, he's done a really good job of understanding his strengths as an offense. I think you could see it, especially in the Raider game where he came out and he knew that, you know, he was going to have a hard time blocking Crosby and Dockway. And so he just kind of went into a rhythm fast, get the ball out as quickly as he could. You know, next week he gets sacked nine and a half times and you know, nine times and you wonder what the heck's going on. But I, I think he's been able to kind of grow as a coach along the way here. I wouldn't say he's a finished product by no means. You know, I think the defense of staff have really done a wonderful job of helping him. And I think when you go back and watch that Kansas City game, I think if you're Andy Reid, you're like, wait a minute, we don't get these calls anymore? I thought we would. You know, it's like I said earlier, they just, it was a different tape. And if you're Sean McVay and you're watching the Bengals play that defense the way they did, and they had no no risk about playing man-to-man. -man. They went after them in the second half. They rushed three, they doubled Hill, they doubled Kelsey, and they said, okay, we'll take our chances. And, and they did, and they were able to get away and jam and reroute. And I, and I think Taylor's give him credit for being able to keep his team competitively in the fire and not giving up. I think you got to give some of that to him. And certainly Burrow helps the cause. Because yes. let's face it, the quarterback obviously ain't going to quit. And so the co and, he, and the team rallies around the quarterback. But you've got to give Taylor some credit. I think the defensive staff, plus I also think Simmons, the defense, the special teams coach, has done a remarkable job. I think I think the, the combination of his defensive coordinator and his special teams coach have really helped him quite a bit. And Zach Taylor's 38 years old. In 05, he transferred. He was a quarterback in college. He transferred to Nebraska to play quarterback for Bill Callahan, who had just gotten yeah. there. And then in 06, he won Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. So he's a pretty good quarterback. Had a Maybe he signed up with the Bucks or a team or two in the NFL, but you have a connection with Callahan. He went to go play there in yeah. Nebraska for Callahan. I worked with I worked with Billy at Philly. I also was with them at the Raiders when he was an assistant and as the head coach. I really respect Billy, like Billy. Brian, I mean, the offensive coordinator, I, you know, Brian's like my two sons. I watched him grow up, you know, and so, and they've done a really good job of understanding who they are offensively, working around a really bad situation in the offensive line. I mean, there's no, there's no denying where they are are in the offensive line. I mean, everybody knows it. We all see it, you know, and they've been able to kind of work around and prove that sometimes skill can overcome the lack of the offensive line. And I think in this game, you know, this is going to be a game of can the Rams create this pressure on Burrow and hold up on the outside? Where are they going? Are they going to play man-to-man -man and rush five, which is what, what you should do against a bad offensive line, which then puts Darius Williams one-on-one -on -one 
and the size of the receivers, specifically of the Bengals, against the size of the corners of the Rams give the Bengals a huge advantage. You know, if Ramsey goes and travels with Chase, they match up size and speed together. So there that is. But the other ones, Deion and Williams, become smaller players against these big receivers. You know, to me, when you build a receiving core in the NFL today, it's almost like you need to build a basketball team. You need to have a point guard. You need to have a little guy that can run and win the third downs. You need to have a power forward. You need to have a small forward. You need to have a combination, which forces the defense to have different styles of corners because if you have just all the same then you don't have matchup you don't create the matchups you want and I think this is where when you watch the Bengals offense when they are in 11 personnel which is what McVay was talking about they are unique because of their size and their ability Boyd is really a point guard he's a he's a 6-5 point guard if you will because he's quick in and out of the breaks and that's why he's so effective in the slot and then Higgins is a power forward and then you've got Chase who can play small forward and he can play center. It's a lot of versatility that you don't have corners that match up. That's a great job with the playmakers. Here's Zach Taylor talking about his playmakers. We think when we've got the weapons that we now have, it puts a lot of pressure on the defense. It takes the pressure off of Joe Burrow. Um, you're able to get the ball out faster because guys can win quicker because you've got those uh, those playmakers that can make those types of plays. And um, so, again, it's, it's allowed us to be more explosive, score more points, put more pressure on the defense, and, and allowed us to get to the Super Bowl as well. Not sure if he has children, but if he does, whether it's a guy or a girl, he should name his kids Joe Burrow moving forward. <laughs> Zach Taylor, yeah. every child should be Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. I mean, that is really what it comes down to. Get yourself quarterback, keep your head coaching job. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, look, Burrow gets the ball out and, and, and the fact that they can't protect and they know it. I mean, I mean, what he just said there is that's the whole theory behind the decision to take chase. If we can win early, we could overcome have bad offensive line and it's held up for him. Great info from Michael Lombardi on the coaches coming up next. Will Hill's going to join us. Your 76ers are in Chicago. I know that playing the bullies, <laughs> playing the bulls. We'll continue here. Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. It's Express Bet, first bet. Get in on all the horse racing action. You can get in on it today. We're racing across the country. Sign up today with the promo code Vegas1000. Receive $10 instantly and up to $1,000 bonus. Visit vcin.com slash horses for details. Use the bonus code Vegas1000. Again, it's vcin.com slash horses for all of the details. Michael Lombardi at the Borgata there in Jersey. Uh, Thomas Gable will be joining. He's not going to be happy with Towson. Who, who lost straight up as five and a half point. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because he's been red hot for us, handing out winners with hey, the Des Moines specials. You know, 60, if you can be 60% in this industry, you're, you're doing good. So you're going to lose some. I mean, it's a little bit like, you know, you, if you bat 300, that means you're, uh, you know, 10 times to the plate, you know, you're making seven outs. So let's not, <laughs> let's not forget about that, right? If you can hit 60% as a better, you can quit your job and you can support your family for years and generations to come. 60% over a consistent period of time will make you rich in this industry. And that's exactly what Thomas has been doing with his Des Moines specials. Now, the... Stafford conversation is fascinating. If you look through the NFL record book, Stafford has a ton of records. Fastest player to yeah. reach 20,000 career passing yards, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45. I mean, this is all in Detroit for 12 seasons. Never won a playoff game. Year one in Los Angeles with a legit organization. He's in the Super Bowl. Uh, I just wanted to start a conversation. I have his prop numbers, which I'll set up, but just 
overview on Stafford playing in the Super Bowl first year there with the Rams? Well, you know, look, I think uh, as the end of the season was coming in, he turned the ball over way too much. And, uh, you know, they kind of got that fixed. I think they went through an evolution of Matthew Stafford this year. I think when they made that trade and when they went all in on him, they felt like, okay, now we can become a bigger drop-back pass team. We have an opportunity to not have to always be – be tied to the offense that we can kind of do more with the quarterback and as the season progressed and they went along they lost a lot of their physicality they lost their toughness and then Stafford turned the ball over and I think McVay did a great job of going back to who he was running the football more I know the Cam Akers came back Sonny Michelle but they kind of got their identity back a little bit remember they have to hide their offensive line too this is not a great offensive line. I mean, Whitworth comes in. Note Bloom's got to play left tackle. Haverstein, especially on the inside of their offensive line. It's really not the best offensive line in, inside when you look at it overall because that you can get some create some matchups on Edwards, on Allen, on Colbert. And so, for me, he did a good job. And then as the year went on, he kind of got back to the golf offense where Stafford is better in that than he is in just trying to be in shotgun and doing everything. So I think that the combination of that has allowed Stafford. He still makes mistakes. He still turns the ball over. And, you know, as you watched from that Tampa Bay game where they had a lot of – I had an opportunity to really uh, kind of not not finish the game out because of the turnovers, that Stafford's still mentally tough and he's able to overcome some obstacles. And I think that this is going to be one of those situations where I could see him doing it pretty well. You know, they, th- this is a guy that you have got to put pressure on. When the 49ers couldn't quite get there – enough you know when they were just one step ahead at one step behind it allowed him to have a hell of a day yeah and Stafford we saw him against Tampa Bay he is clutch he has the most game-winning drives in a single season in NFL history eight in 2016 most consecutive I mean the what he does is come from behind because he was playing for a franchise in Detroit for 12 straight season where they were always trailing so maybe a little benefit there now you mentioned the interceptions second half of the season not just interceptions, the pick sixes were a bugaboo for, for Matthew Stafford. Going into this, the South Point has interception, the interception prop set at yes, minus 145 for Stafford, no plus 125. Is he going to throw a pick here? Well, he's only thrown one pick in this playoffs run. He's got six touchdowns to one pick. And, I mean, when you examine what he's done in the playoffs, I mean, averaging 9.4 yards per attempt. You know, and he's been sacked five times, but he's been really good in this area. You know, and where they haven't been good, where I think, you know, and I talk about this, that they need to be able to do it, is they haven't been able to run the football. So they've really put the burden on him. I mean, they've attempted to run the ball. There's no doubt about that. They've tried. He's called run plays. You know, he's tried to run the ball 97 times this year, Patrick, This in, in the playoffs. 97 right. in three games. That's over 30 carries. Now, he was ahead in every one of these games, so running the ball matters when you get ahead. But he only averaged 2.9 yards per carry. I mean, and, and one of the runs was a 35-yard run, which was a long run. You take that out, and this number's really coming down. So... I I do think that they know they need to protect Stafford. And part of protecting Stafford is they can't turn this ball over. I mean, they can't allow this to happen. And I think that that's why, because of Cincinnati's lack of run defense and because of Ogajobi not playing in there, I think McVay's going to go in there and try to make sure he minimizes the mistakes of Stafford and gets the ball on play action down the field, but also features his run game and has some comfort knowing he can run the football. 
Michael, his passing yard prop, Stafford, is set at 279.5. That's 110 up and down, so 279.5. I'll give you the numbers. 202 to open up the wild card round against Arizona. 366 against Tampa Bay, then 337 against San Francisco. So in two of the three postseason matchups here, he's gone over that 279.5. What do you think about that number? Well, let's break it down, right? So the first game against Arizona, they, 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 you know, they took, they took command of the game. The, the next two games, McVay went into those games knowing he couldn't really run the football. He knew he had to run it, but he knew he had to throw to run, right? He had a throw to run, so his mindset was different, which then allowed the numbers to increase, and he made some plays down the field. And I think that that's going to be that's not going to be the mindset going into Cincinnati. I think he's going to throw the football. I think it's going to be some take some shots down the field. But I think he's going to want to keep the ball away from Chase, keep the ball away from Burrow, which I think it's going to let. I lean towards the under in passing, not because I think he's going to have a bad day. I mean, the guy's averaging 9-4 per completion. I mean, they've been magnificent. You look at the numbers compared to these two teams, playoff the last three games, these two teams compared, I mean, it's not close. I mean, it's not close. I mean, this, this Ram defense is 18% on third down defense. How good is that, right? But I do think they'll pace the game differently, which lends me to think they're going to run it better. Because if McVay goes in there and he thinks he can run it, he can control the clock, run the football, Burrow standing next to Zach Taylor, and then get the lead get the lead, I think he's going to take advantage of that. We started the Lombardi line here on Sunday talking about the head coaches. Here's Matthew Stafford talking about his relationship with McVay. You know, obviously it's the closest in age I've ever been to a head coach. Um, you know, I think um, just getting to know him and him getting to know me, we got comfortable with each other very quickly. And um, I've, I've enjoyed working with him. It's been a, it's been a blast. Um, you know, obviously he demands that a lot, of, a lot out of me and, and likewise, you know, the other way. So it's, uh, it's been fun to push each other um, and try to uh, try to get the best out of each other week in and week out. The passing attempts. So the attempt prop for Matthew Stafford is set at 35 and a half. He attempted 17 passes against Arizona. We knew that one. 38 against Tampa and then 45 against San Francisco. You're expecting them to run the ball. You're going to go under that 35 and a half here as far as pass attempts. I, I, I think I will. Yeah, okay. I think I will. I think he, I think he could have a 20. I think he could be 23 for 30 in this game. I don't think he's going to have very many incompletions. I think he's going to be able to keep the ball off the ground, and I think that he's going to take advantage of some of the situations that presents itself, depending on how Cincinnati wants to play this. You know, when they got behind against against Kansas City, they had to get into a man-to-man -man game, and they got and they benefited by being able to play that man-to-man. -man. They took two players away. You can't seem to take Cup away because of where they align Cup and move him around. So that's a challenge. You know, I don't think Higby's going to be able to play. I really don't. So, you know, and, and, and when I do think, I mean, that Blanton kid came in and made a lot of plays for them. So that certainly would help. But I think, you know, Beckham's going to make some plays in this game that I think will help, and Jefferson will too. So, but I don't think the ball's going to be on the ground. I, I think the approach that Cincinnati has to take is, okay, let's see if, the, you know, let's run it. No big plays. Let's see if we can get off the field on some of these third downs and see what we can do. I don't see them entering into a man-to-man -man game. I don't know how they win the man-to-man -man game. They don't match up either. I mean, Eli Apple, Mike Hilton's a really good slot corner, but can he cover Cup? No. You know, that's a, that's a hard issue. You mentioned Cup. Total reception set at 8.5. Total receiving yard set at 108.5. I mean, those are ridiculous numbers, but that's the year well, he's, he's got twenty. He's got, he's got 25 catches in three games. So he's, he's averaged just slightly over seven in the playoff run. You know, and I do think the yards will matter. I think they'll get big plays. 
I think that's got to be the biggest concern Cincinnati has. If we play man, they're going to make big plays on us. If we play zone, we can eliminate the big plays. Now, what happens is if they play a seven-man front, they're not going to hold up in this run game. They're not. They're going to slow the game down but they're not going to hold up in the run game, which is what I think they're going to want to do and really limit nine possessions to each team. I think that's what we're going to see in nine possession game. Yeah, and I, you can go to the VEASAN help desk for this answer, but I'll give it to you now. Remember, when you're betting on Burrow and you're betting Stafford and you're betting Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase, you're going to pay a tax. You're going to pay a premium. Those, It's baked into the number, just like Michael said, eight and a half is a lofty number. You're always going to pay a tax on the big marquee names because that's what everybody wants to bet, and, that's, and they want to bet them over on the totals, Michael. No doubt. And, and it's just all, Cup's going to catch eight and a half. It's like me last week. I thought... It was easy. I did Russo's show. It was easy. Why Kettle's got to be over four and a half? He ends up under. I mean, he didn't get enough targets. Like, how can that happen? You know, but one thing about Cup, he gets his targets. And yes. they're really good. At, I mean, they're 21 for 42 on third down in this playoff run. They're 50%. Most of them are the Cup. Remember, to win the Cup receptions prop, he's got to get to nine. That's a lofty yep. number. So, remember, you got to get to nine if you're going over that eight and a half. But he's had an incredible year. There's no doubt. It's a funny way to watch a game, watching the receiver run routes as yeah. opposed to watching the football props have changed the game. Okay, Will's next. Coming up here, Lombardi Line. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. All the action you need is at BetMGM. Sign up now using that bonus code VSEN1000 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. This is for new bettors over at the King of Sportsbooks, BetMGM. Okay, when you register with BetMGM, you're also going to get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, player props, daily boosted odd specials, which is important. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com. Enter the bonus code VEASAN1000 to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. That's a great deal. It's a new customer offer. And if you have a gambling problem, it's 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay. Michael Lombardi there at the Borgata. You got the uh, snowshoes out today and made it over there. That's not – It's. I was just looking at the weather, man. You guys are – it's cold on the coast, obviously. It's yeah. ridiculous. That's why it we, is February. It is. It is February. Yes, it is. And uh, Will joins us from Connecticut. Will Hill, of course, New yeah. York City cast. Will, as we start here, 
I know you have a prop. You like Cooper Cup over. I just want to use this as a teaching tool for new bettors. We have it 102 and a half. It's bet up to 104 and a half at BetMGM. Here at the South Point, it's 108 and a half. So a key distinction, 104 and a half to 108 and a half. You see the variance there. Uh, but we say good morning to you, and you do like Cooper Cup going over the receiving yards. Yeah, and this isn't really an opinion on what's going to happen. It's more of a number grab because we know it's going to happen. The recreational bettors haven't started betting yet. Nobody that's a recreational better is going to bet under on Cooper Cup. So this number is going to go up, up, and up. I wouldn't be surprised if this closes, you know, 113, 114. Nobody's lining up to bet Cooper Cup to go under. That's not something that's fun to watch, fun to root for. Uh, so bet it now. You could always buy back on the under or just keep it in your pocket. But uh, this is only going up. Cooper yeah, Cup I mean, up. I don't yep. disagree with that. This will be the big week for the, no doubt, this will be the big week for the uh, uh, the, the props, Patrick, Will. I mean, yep. I mean, people are just going to get engaged and get to the window and do as much as they can. And I don't think people realize that the prop, that, that the, the props are no different than the line. They're going to move, too, based on the action. Are they going to treat him differently than we've seen him treated the Bengals? Cooper Cup, Michael? Well, I mean, look, they, they, everybody says you got to try. I mean, the 49ers on third and eight, you know, and they, they single cover them with a the corner. I mean, like, seriously, the ball was going to them 100%. Like, why not double them? But Sean does such a good job of motioning and being able to get him into those stacks, it makes it really hard to double them. And Stafford's really good. I mean, Stafford understands it, and he plays quick-minded. So if he's doubled, he'll throw the ball quickly to the other guy, whether it's Beckham, whether it's Jefferson. And, you know, he used to love to throw the ball to Higby, but now he's got Blanton in there that he that he trusted enough to throw the ball to him. I mean, that's the kind of unique thing I think of Stafford because he's played in so many of those bad teams in Detroit. He throws the ball to whoever's open, whereas some of the older quarterbacks, Rodgers and Brady, they got to trust you before they throw the football. Yeah, well put. Okay, well, we're going to move to the NBA, but quickly thoughts. It looks like we're going to land four, four and a half by the time next Sunday rolls around. And then anywhere between 48 and 49 as far as the total. Just an overview on the side in total, Super Bowl 56 so far. Yeah, just kind of that dead zone. You know, once you get above three, whether it's four, four and a half, five, not really a big difference. Not a lot of games land on five. So, uh, you know, not much value in terms of the closing number, whether you go to four or five, you can just wait. I do think it's shaping up to where uh, people that bet the Bengals, a lot of people, like I said, you get more recreational money for the Super Bowl. People that bet the Bengals are going to bet the money line. That's going to bring the Rams money line down to maybe get it 190, 180. To me, that's actually the value there. Instead of getting involved with the four, if you can just, you know, lay minus 180, 190 on the on the Rams money line, you know, you're going to have to lay minus four and a half, minus 110 anyway. Uh, I do think the Rams win the game, so I, I would lean towards Rams money line here. Yeah, three the key number betting the NFL. Four has become key with the extra point move back, and as Will mentioned, total dead zone at five so that's key there okay let's start nba here we go 76ers uh -oh. lost on friday michael 107 98 at dallas that's two losses in a row bad losses washington yes. a couple of nights before the bulls who are banged up but they continue to roll they're sitting one seed in the east i'll give you the number here will philadelphia who's been great on the road and chicago who's been great at home philadelphia is up to two at chicago and the total's 220 well, I'm really sad football's over for two reasons. I miss football, and it's protected me from having to talk about the Lakers. So uh, really a double whammy there. But I'm on Philly today. I just don't think Vucevic can handle Embiid. Like you mentioned, ball, uh, Caruso out. That really hurts their perimeter defense. If you can't guard Embiid and you can't guard the perimeter, uh, that's a bad recipe. I, I think Philly will be, have a good matchup here offensively. Uh, I like the Sixers here. 
You know, it's funny when you, you know, it's always interesting and, and Chicago's had a, a different lineups and they've had a bunch of injuries, same with the 76ers. But over the last 10 games, Patrick, the Sixers are nine and one in this in this series, you yep. know, and they're and they're eight and two against the spread. And so, you know, for some reason, I mean, Vukovic is a former 76er that Doug Collins said wasn't tough enough, got included in the Andrew Bynum trade. Not that I'm bitter about that at all. But, you know, I mean, the fact is they just gave this guy away to and Bynum never came in and played because because Collins said he wasn't tough enough, and here's this guy having a hell of a career. But the Sixers, for some reason, have been able to dominate this series, and I think the, the, this is one of those games where they have to come out and play better. I mean, there's only two games that separates them from, from the Bulls, I mean, which is somewhat remarkable considering they're wasting $40 million of their salary cap as the guy goes through his mental health. Yeah, and to both of your point, this is a thin roster for Chicago right now. You mentioned you mentioned Levine, who didn't play on Friday. It looks like he's going to be out. Kobe White could be out. And Patrick Williams with some length in the middle looks like he's going to continue to be out along with Lonzo, Caruso, and Derek Jones. So, And you know what's interesting, and Will, I'll start with you here. The 76ers last couple of years were so good at home and so bad on the road. They flipped the script. They're 17-10 and 10 overall on the road this year and 15-11 ATS, so they've been tremendous on the road, the 76ers. They have, and I gave them out on the city cast a week or so ago, 10-1 to 1 to win the East. I just think with the Nets a mess, the Bucks, who I think we'll get to here, they've kind of just been going through the motions here. There's a chance where the 76ers now, it didn't work out for them last year, where they tiptoe the Nets, they tiptoe the Bucks, and they don't have to play either of those teams till the conference finals. If they can be a one or a two seed and, you know, play the Hornets in round one and maybe the Cavs in round two, something like that, where this could break right for the Sixers. But, uh, you know, they need to get on track. They need to stay ahead of the Nets. And uh, like you said, they've been really good on the road. You know, they're five seed, but they're just two games out of the one seed, Michael, yeah, that's 76ers. Right. So th yeah, those no, one through six is completely no. bunched up in the East. And it's going to really come down to who can actually stay healthy. I mean, none of these teams in the NBA, I mean, when you examine their consistencies within their lineups, it's remarkable. I mean, Curry doesn't play. Thibault doesn't play. I mean, you know, they just, it's bad. And that's just not on Philly's side. That Look at Chicago today. They, it's hard to really gauge who's the best team because no, nobody's played their starters over a consistent period of time. It's almost like a, a hockey line. There's so many interchanges between the, each game. Okay, I didn't bring it up. Will, I'll start with you. There are rumors floating around. Remember, February 10th is the trade deadline. Could we see a Ben Simmons, James Harden trade? Will, we'll start with you. I didn't think so like a week ago, but I, I think it's getting to the point where it's so bad with Harden. If you see some of the clips of him playing defense, uh, and I use the word defense lo loosely, uh, I think it could happen. I think the Nets could use, you know, Simmons as a, a small ball five, his defense, his rebounding. They don't think they're going to re-sign Harden. You probably don't want to re-sign Harden because he maybe has a good year or two left. He's starting to really show some decline. He doesn't take the best care of himself. He's played a lot of minutes. You know, he's not one of these load management guys. So uh, I think the Nets might just say, you know what? Uh, it, it's time to move on. And it just doesn't feel like it's going to work with the Nets. You know, whether it's Durant, Kyrie, Harden, seems like somebody's always missing from that bunch. So I actually think there's a decent chance it happens. You know, I, I think you're right, Will. I think, do you really want to sign, I mean, I, as a 76er fan, I, do you really want to sign Harden to a five-year max, oh. super max contract? You know Maury loves I mean, him. You're gonna, you know Maury loves no, him, You Michael. know he's going to do it. Like, he's going to do it. But Maury needs to, we were just talking off air before, Maury needs to ship out Tobias Harris before he can do anything. Because he's going to, if he brings in Harden now, he's going to, that luxury tax is going to kick way in. Now, you know, there's a lot of talk that Harris is going to get shipped out to Oklahoma City because they need to get to the minimum threshold of the cap. 
you know, so that that that, that would help them tremendously. It, it, it does. It's like you could take our deal. It really helps you get one player and put them in there. So, to me, I, I'm with Will. Like it doesn't make like if I'm the Nets, I'm trading them. I really would trade them because why not? I'm not going to sign them to a max. I might as well get the best deal I can get. If Harden ends up in Philly. Hopefully you get invited to his birthday party because he always picks a good location. I won't say it on a Sunday, but uh, he generally generally picks a fun location for birthday parties. And you mentioned, let's go Nets Nuggets today. The Nets have lost seven straight. They're two and eight since Durant went down. So there's no Durant, no Harris, no Aldridge. They're completely banged up. However, the Nuggets, who lost at home to the Pelicans on Friday, no Jamal Murray, obviously, no Porter Jr. These are two banged up teams, and the Nuggets are laying five here, Will. By the way, I love I love birthday parties. Just for the record, I wanted to put that out there. You can, you're invited. Uh, that's great. <laughs> I like the Nuggets here. Nets, like you said, they're a mess. Uh, Denver, that's a tough place to play. And uh, you don't want to go to Denver when you're thin. In altitude, that's a, a brutal place to play. Uh, Jokic is the best player on the court in this game, clearly. And uh, I don't think the league does a good enough job marketing him. If you miss football today, watch a little Jokic. Some of the passes he attempts, some of the passes he makes are just incredible. Uh, I think the Nets are, are just a disaster right now. A really thin team that's gotten even thinner. Uh, Claxton out, Harris out, like you mentioned. Probably no Harden. Uh, Give me Denver here. I like it. Yeah, Denver. And Aaron Gordon, maybe a game-time decision. He's missed the last two, so wait for that. Check out Twitter to see about Aaron Gordon. Don't bet the NBA until you check the lineups. Please. (laughs) Please. Look. LeBron played last night. They decided during pregame, and he had a yeah. trip. What he had a triple double for Will's Lakers there. Okay, Will. Thank you, New York City Cast Vison.com podcast. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate All right. it. All right, see you guys. Okay, we continue. Just a week out from Super Bowl Fifty Six Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. At Bet Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.